It is 11.30 in the Central Time Zone. Time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. There's uh, lots to talk about. Busy Wednesday around here as we check in with our departments. Jason Jorgensen's here. Bob Rogan's here. Susan Littlefield now will give us an update on farm. Susan? Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening on the midday for the farm team at 1219. Rebel kicks everything off as she talks with Tilden Hooper, 2020 bareback riding champion at the Buffalo Bill Rodeo, talks about his experience in North Platte. Remember, there were no spectators in the stands. Then at 1245, I'll be speaking with Brandy Schultz as we look at the numbers and how this year's state fair is going to look for 4-Hers. Then she'll step back in with me at 117 as we talk about mask or no mask. When it comes to showing your livestock in the ring, that's a midday from the farm team. Well, that's pretty much a constant discussion nowadays. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen, and uh, Big 12 came out. They're going to still try to play. That's right. Looks like. uh, nine regular season, uh, one non-conference game. They hope to begin uh, the year on September 12th. That's when Kansas State will start things off at home against Arkansas State. So all of this talk about Nebraska, uh, you know, jumping back with the Big 12, that's that's not going to happen. Uh, on that subject, uh, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren said late last night in a story to uh, Yahoo Sports, he said if Nebraska tries to go out and do their own thing, they're no longer a member of the Big Ten. I saw an interesting article, and you can help me. I'm not sure who wrote it, but it was, is this the beginning of the end of the relationship between, which has been, you know, it hasn't been the greatest fit between the two. I think Tom, you might be referring Tom, to the, yeah, the Tom, Tom Chattel from yep, the Omaha World yep, Herald the one. Uh, wrote uh, late last night. Pretty good article. Uh, mm-hmm. He brings up, brings up some points. Uh, I don't think Nebraska is leaving the Big Ten. Although it's been interesting to see the blowback nationally from some folks uh, criticizing Nebraska. Hey, all Nebraska wants to do is play football. Why, right. why does that make them so bad? Yeah. If Ohio State or Michigan had done the same thing that Scott Frost did, all they'd be hailing that as such leadership. Yeah, right, right, such, right. You know, they're fighting for their players. Well, Nebraska does it. And well, you know, they're the bad guy. Well, that goes to show you the, the weird fit between the two, I guess. So, yeah, Michael Wilbon wasn't happy. Yeah. Considered the source. Exactly. Also, uh, Charlie Blackman, Colorado Rockies. He's hitting 500 right now (laughs) on the year after three more hits yesterday. That's after the man started the year 0 for 9. That's a torrid pace if there ever was one. He'll try to keep that going this afternoon as the Rockies take on Arizona. Padres announcers were saying the other day, it feels like Blackman's up every inning. He's always, always good. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Hey, let's turn it over to Bob Brogan and see what's going on in stocks right now. Stocks rebounding and trading on Wall Street, carrying the S&P 500 back toward the cusp of its record high. Meanwhile, consumer prices jumped in July as gasoline prices continued to rise. And companies are rushing to test what may be the next best thing to a coronavirus vaccine, antibody drugs that fight the virus right away. Microsoft is back to selling smartphones for the first time since it, since it abandoned its mobile business more than four years ago. And uh, Governor Ricketts says the state of Nebraska will block the TikTok software application on all state electronic devices. Details on those stories in the business news today. All right. Thank you very much, Bob. I appreciate it. That's all coming up on Midday. 
Time for us to take a look at weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation and see what that weather is uh, doing with agriculture for us and around the world. We've got Paul Perkins in here, and uh, good morning to you, Paul. So we had a few, had kind of an interesting amount of uh, storms rolling through central Kansas earlier today, but those have pretty much dissipated. Yeah, just a little bit of activity, especially right along Highway 81 from Concordia down to Salina to just southwest of Wichita, Kansas, and that activity beginning to dissipate as it moves off towards east and southeast. So a little bit of light rain in between Concordia and Clay Center to east of Salina as it continues to dissipate. Some of it may be making it into Nebraska, some sprinkles in between Hebron and Geneva right now. Okay, very good. Well, a chance for a few of those as the day days the next few days goes on especially in the evening looks like exactly uh more of those late day and nighttime thunderstorms possible the severe threat has gone down earlier we did have a slight risk of severe storms over much of west central and central nebraska and a little bit of northern kansas now just a moderate risk of severe storms in the western nebraska panhandle into northeast colorado and also over central areas of nebraska into central and east kansas today through saturday looking at mainly sunny skies temperatures about five to ten degrees above average in behind the passage of a warm front today and with the ridge of high pressure expanding from the desert southwest right now our temperatures currently in the upper 70s to low 80s and that's pretty much region wide it is starting to feel a little bit sticky into eastern areas where dew points right now from about the Tri-Cities, Grand Island, and Hastings on into eastern Nebraska and eastern Kansas in the upper 60s to low 70s, but otherwise kind of some comfortable dew points in the upper 50s to low 60s elsewhere. South winds today will be breezy just ahead of a trough of low pressure across the high plains. Any thunderstorms that could fire today will be hit and miss late this afternoon and evening. Storms expected to develop across western areas of Nebraska and Kansas. Those storms may hold together and impact the central and east during the late evening and overnight that potential is there for some severe weather just not as great as it was earlier today damaging wind and large hail are the main threats our forecast stays mostly dry for tomorrow through saturday thunderstorm chances though are back with the cold front by saturday night in behind that front temperatures will cool to seasonal to slightly below normal and a thing to watch we may see that cold front move through a little bit earlier than anticipated so that could impact those rain chances on saturday in our long-term forecast any cool down will be short-lived slightly above normal temperatures remain likely for nebraska and kansas monday through august 25th that chance for mostly dry weather increasing with below normal rainfall monday through the 25th very likely now for nebraska kansas and much of the central and eastern u.s key weather factors impacting the markets include the continuation of rain for midwest through the end of the week and rain for the late week in wheat areas of australia the midwest will see additional rain chances through the end of this week most Midwest areas continue to have favorable conditions for corn and soybeans in the filling stage. A notable exception is towards the Great Lakes where it is drier. All of the southern plains will have periods of rain through the end of the week. The exception towards the far southwestern areas, the rain will benefit the filling row crops. Moderate rain occurred in the Delta yesterday, easing their recent dryness and benefiting the soybeans in the filling stage. In Australia, much needed rain for developing wheat fell in eastern areas late last week. But those east area, eastern areas of Australia, especially towards Queensland, Queensland could use some more moisture. A system moving into southern Australia will spread some showers further north for Friday and Saturday and may be a benefit to the wheat crop in Australia. 
All right, very good. Off and on stuff for us uh, for a while, sounds like. Yeah, it looks like uh, headed towards a very dry period with that ridge of high pressure tomorrow through Saturday. So if we don't get anything tonight, it looks like it's going to be fairly uh, uh, low chances until about Saturday night. And then after that, the rain chances really dry up. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather Weathertab, krvn.com. It's time once again for our annual Growing Wheat Well here on the Rural Radio Network. Over the next couple of weeks, you're going to be hearing from farm broadcasters as they speak to the experts within the wheat industry to find out how the 2020 crop is growing and what may be coming as we hit 2021 with new technology. And if you happen to miss one of our Growing Wheat Well segments, don't worry. You can find it all at ruralradio.com. Be tuning in. Growing Wheat Well. Liberal Radio Network District. With a recap from last week's Buffalo Bill Rodeo in North Platte, I'm Rebel Seclotra reporting. I'm visiting with Tilden Hooper, who won the bareback riding at the 2020 Buffalo Bill Rodeo with an 89-point ride on Rocky Mountain Rodeo's horse, Hard Times. Tilden, thank you so much for chatting with me today. You bet, no problem. So why don't you give us a look at your summer run, given all the challenges this year, and what your experience was like last week in North Platte? Um, well... Anytime you get a win, that's a that's a good experience in my business. So uh, that was that was awesome to be there in North Platte and to to have that horse. I, I've been on that horse a handful of times, and it's always resulted in a first first place finish. So I uh, I really liked that horse, and I really enjoyed getting to get on him there in North Platte. And you know, as far as how the summer's looking, that that sort of thing, that's what really makes us uh, appreciate North Platte having a rodeo. You know, because there's been there's been a lot of rodeos that haven't been able to, to have, you know, have rodeos due to all the COVID and, and all that stuff. It was nice to be able to come out there and get to do my job because without rodeos like that, we don't, we don't have anywhere to work. Absolutely. So the local health department shut down the performance to spectators and in rodeo, the fans contribute so much to the atmosphere. What was it like to compete with empty grandstands? The fans are a huge part of it for us too. There's there's no doubt about it. They're really just it's it's not the same, you know. It's it's appreciated, and I definitely am not. You know, I appreciate them. You know, going right on ahead and having the rodeo. You know, without fans, without being able to sell tickets, they have no chance to make any money back or anything like that. As far as from a contestant standpoint, you know, you, you miss them. I mean, rodeo in a sense started for for people to show off in front of other people. You know, and so we're. We're out there doing our thing, and, and, you know, the crowd participation and the crowd getting into it is a big part of what we do. So you, you, you can notice the difference, and like I said, I still appreciate the opportunity to compete, but you can definitely tell the difference. So you're sitting fourth in the world right now. How will this win give you momentum as you head down the road? In any kind of sporting event, and the momentum's key. So to have a win going into the next weekend, it, 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 it feels good, and it, it makes you have that much more confidence. So obviously everyone has been impacted by COVID-19 in some way or another, but as a professional rodeo athlete, it certainly posed lots of challenges. What has been your focus throughout all this and the rodeos that you have been able to enter? So much of that situation is out of my control, but I, I try not to worry too much about that. I try to focus on taking the time that I have at home, you know, to, to better myself physically and mentally and to take care of my family and just take advantage of have to you know to be be around my family and friends, and I try to just focus on the things that I can control, and that's you know trying to enjoy you know what time we have off and let my body heal, and try to stay in shape and just uh, be ready whenever I get the opportunity. 
So you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but bareback riding is a very physically demanding event. How do you stay healthy and make sure that you're prepared for each matchup? Um, I just uh, I, I focus this time of year a lot on recovery. You know, a lot of the things that that you know the bareback riding it, it's tough on your body, but I mean, dude, North Platte, Nebraska is uh, 11 hours in a pickup. You know, one way for me, and you know, so that's 22 hours worth of sitting in the pickup and that just being still like that and all the travel and stuff wears on a guy too so i mean a lot of the stuff i do this time of year is just focused around getting moving and uh firing firing the muscles that i use whenever i'm riding and just uh staying loose and trying to you know just recover after every ride once again that was tilden hooper who won the bareback riding at the 2020 buffalo bill rodeo Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, K-State Athletics in the Big 12 today unveiled the Wildcats' new 10-game football schedule. That includes a newly scheduled non-conference matchup in all nine conference games. Kansas State will open up the year on September 12th by hosting Arkansas State. Following its first bye week of the season, Kansas State opens up Big 12 play on September 26th when the Cats travel to Oklahoma. A total of 935 Division I football games have been canceled or postponed because of the pandemic. According to the Associated Press, 465 football bowl subdivision games are off. That number is 544 for the FCS. Included in those numbers are 74 matches between those two divisions. A total of 609 Division II games have been called off as well. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren told Yahoo Sports late last night that Nebraska cannot go out and make its own schedule and still be a member of the Big Ten. Earlier yesterday, when asked about Nebraska's desire to do its own thing, Warren sidestepped those questions. The last year the University of Nebraska didn't play football was in 1889. The decision yesterday also wipes out the Husker volleyball season. Head coach John Cook, however, told the Lincoln Journal-Star that the Big Ten volleyball coaches already have a plan and a schedule in place and have submitted that to the league office. Their plan would have matches starting in February, and there's hope that Omaha could potentially host a Final Four event if those matches are played in the spring. Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies carries a 15-game hitting streak into this afternoon's game against Arizona. He's hitting 500 after picking up three more hits in the Rockies' 8-7 win yesterday. He's hitting 500 after starting the year. 0 for 9. Well, the MIAA led Division II women's basketball for the 12th straight season in total attendance with more than 185,000 fans attending those games with an average attendance of just over 1,000. It's also the ninth consecutive year that the association surpassed 185,000 fans for a year. Fort Hay State led the league and was second in the nation as they averaged more than 2,400 fans per home game. And Churchill Downs officials expect less than 23,000 fans will be able to attend next month's rescheduled Kentucky Derby under an updated health and safety plan. That plan eliminates general admission and standing room only areas with total capacity limited to less than 14% of the 2015 attendance record of more than 170,000. Of course, they postponed the race from May to next month. They'll try to pull that off on September 5th. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com.
Let's take a look at our latest midday news. Ellen Simmons is in for that. And Ellen, you have some more updated information on that fatal accident near Kearney. So 43-year-old Christopher S. Hines of Kearney, Nebraska, has been identified as the victim of a hit-and-run accident in Kearney County. The Kearney County Sheriff's Office in Minden received a call about the fatal vehicle pedestrian accident on Highway 44 on Tuesday at approximately 5.30 a.m., according to a media release. The accident investigation is ongoing by the Nebraska State Patrol and Kearney County Sheriff's Office and Kearney County Attorney which has ordered an autopsy. Assistance was provided at the scene by the Kearney Police Department, Buffalo County Sheriff's Office, Nebraska Department of Roads, Axtell Fire Department, and Kearney County Road Department. Next of kin has been notified, and the Kearney County Attorney says anyone who traveled the route Tuesday morning or anyone with information is urged to contact the Kearney County Sheriff's Office at 308-832-2805. Military retirees have, who live in Nebraska will get a tax cut starting in 2022 under a bill slated to become state law. And lawmakers gave the measure final approval Wednesday and set it to Governor Pete Ricketts, who proposed it at the, at the start of this year's session. The bill would exempt half of the military retirees' benefits from Nebraska state tax. Senator Tom Brewer, who sponsored the bill, has said the measure would help Nebraska attract and retain military service members after the retire. Several neighboring states, including Iowa and Missouri, don't impose any tax on military retirement benefits, and both states have managed to entice retirees from Nebraska's Offutt Offit Air, Air Force Base. The Nebraska legislature on Tuesday gave second-round approval to a property tax and business incentives measure. Governor P. Ricketts was asked Monday at a news conference whether the bill gives significant property tax relief to the state's taxpayers. Ricketts admits the measure doesn't do everything he'd hoped. The original plan that we had had those expense controls in it so that you could actually make sure you were controlling how fast property taxes went up. So this plan here only really has half of what was originally proposed from the standpoint of it's got additional relief for our Nebraska taxpayers with regard to more state resources going to help offset those higher property tax bills. So we're providing more state resources to help offset that. The second part of that which we wanted but did not get was the expense control side. The tax package advanced last Wednesday after a cloture vote. It was introduced by Norfolk Senator Jim Shearer. As parents nationwide prepare to help their children with more distance learning, a small but quickly growing number are deciding to take matters entirely, entirely into their own hands and begin homeschooling. Some are worried their districts are unable to offer a strong virtual learning program. For others who may have been considering homeschooling, Concerns for their family's health amid the coronavirus and the ongoing off-again planning for in-person instruction are leading them to part ways with school systems. Homeschooling applications are surging in states including Nebraska where they are up 21% and Vermont where they are up 75%. You can find more news at krvn.com. Okay, thank you very much, Ellen. As they say, the show must go on. And for 4-H and FFA, it is happening at the Nebraska State Fair. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Brittany Schultz is a 4-H Educational Engagement Coordinator for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. There's been a lot of behind-the-scenes work, and Brandy says it's all been worth it. Well, it literally is all worth it. All worth it. From day one, 
the moment we knew that we may not even have county fairs to the point of announcing we're having a fair to um, as we prepare for a fair uh, at the end of the day, it's it's literally all worth it for for 4-H and for FFA youth and their families too. I think this is it's so critical for for youth, but just as much for the families too. So. Um, I've always thought county fair and, and state fair has always just been a family time and family tradition. And so it's we're really lucky to be able to still host it. So still getting to go in the show ring, those things are pretty much still the same, but we're in a whole new new. What are some things that our 4-Hers can expect when they arrive at the state fair with their livestock? Yeah, so, you know, there is modifications, absolutely. Um, you know, the state fair is going to look a little bit different, but just to just have that lens of, of a 4-H family so you know typically in their livestock they arrive to Bronx lot they see this big trailer and they they go into the trailer they talk to the vets the vets look at their health papers and they pick up their exhibitor packet well we don't have check-in trailers this year we're gonna have a tent so we're gonna have our vets uh, our vets sitting there at the tent we're gonna check those papers we're gonna you know evaluate the animals um but then that point it kind of starts to look a little bit normal so then they they arrive in their barns um, when they come to the barns to load everything out, they're going to notice, wow, there's a lot more space in the barns. We can actually, like, we have 8 to 10 to 12 feet of distance now between the next row. And and, and so they'll, they'll come in and they're going to unload. There's going to be a lot more space. Um, you know, as you know, we have 4-H the first weekend and FFA the second weekend. So it'll seem a lot less crowded. Um, but I said, ultimately, they're going to really fill that spatial distance. So... They're going to do their unloading, and as they walk into Five Points Bank Arena, or in case for our swine, you know, they'll walk into the Aurora Co-op Pavilion. But for Five Points Bank Arena, they're going to say, wow, this looks a lot different. So um, in our Five Points Bank Arena, we typically have our, our beef show happening, our goat show, and our sheep show, but we usually have two different organizations running at once. Well, in this case, we're just going to have one. So we were able to actually bring that arena and make it a bit bigger and have three rings instead of four. So we'll have our, our beef exhibitors on the south side of that big arena. And uh, so they'll be able to showcase their livestock, right, in that way big arena. And then our, our sheep and our goats uh, families will have the opportunity to be on the complete north side. And so they'll have a, so much more space and they'll be staging a little bit different areas. And you'll see that our, our announcer stand will be in a different spot. We'll be down the middle instead of on the west end. So hopefully it'll... It'll feel like a bigger space. Um, I think our spectators will enjoy watching the show this way. Uh, but obviously, most importantly, our youth are going to have a bigger space to show their their animals too. And I, I'm really excited for that. Um, our classes are going to be a little bit smaller. You know, we can't have 25 to 20 in a class. So we're going to bring those classes down a lot more, um, especially I think about showmanship, right? When you're trying to run over 250 youth in a showmanship contest, you know, you try to push a lot in a class just because the time of the day and you're trying to get to the next show. But we have a lot more time this year. Believe it or not, I know we compacted our shows in two days, but really um, it's not that compact because now we have a lot more flexibility with time. So so the showmanship in the big arena will be taking place on Saturday and then they will be showing on Sunday with their breeding animals. But beef according to Brandy, does have a bit of a different schedule. Uh, we're just running our market beef show on Sunday. Our breeding beef, um, our breeding heifer show is going to happen after our beef showmanship on Saturday. 
And then our, for our poultry folks, you know, they're just going to come in on Saturday and they're going to show their birds. And then on Sunday, we're going to have our rabbit only exhibitor. So we're spacing out the schedule a little bit. Um, I'm Once again, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I think we'll have exhibitors that actually can have a little bit of breathing room in between classes instead of running from one ring or one barn to the next barn. So I think that from the youth perspective, I think they're going to be pretty excited about the scheduling change. Um, they may not know it now until they're actually moving through the motions to go through that. But I think that they're going to be pretty excited about that. So that's a little bit of like the I'm walking in, I'm walking on the fairgrounds, I'm walking through, I'm going through the motions um, scenario for you, Susan. So once we're there and we've got our livestock stalled, I think probably one of the biggest questions for the youth is, those comments, again, are coming from Brandy Schultz. Brandy is the 4-H Educational Engagement Coordinator for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. A lot of behind-the-scenes work has gone into putting this all together for our 4-H and the FFA youth as well. Now, there is a full schedule that does the breakdown of when your kids will be in the show ring, or if you want to go watch a specific show where you'll be able to see that, just go to statefair.org. I know I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of kids in the show ring at the State Fair. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are rebounding and trading on Wall Street, carrying the S&P 500 back toward the cusp of its record high. The benchmark index was up 1% after the first half hour of trading and on pace for its eighth gain in nine days. It pulled within six-tenths of a percent of its record for the first time since the day after it set its high in February. The lift followed up on gains for stocks across Europe and much of Asia, while Treasury yields continued their sharp rally after, after a report on inflation came in higher than expected for the second straight day. Consumer prices jumped in July as gasoline prices continued to rise. The Labor Department says the six-tenths percent jump in its consumer price index matched June's increase. The uptick was about twice what economists expected, but inflation remains in check. Consumer prices are up just 1% over the past year. Gasoline prices rose 5.3% from June to July, but are down 20.3% in the past 12 months as the coronavirus recession has kept Americans from driving. Companies are rushing to test what may be the next best thing to a coronavirus vaccine, antibody drugs that fight the virus right away without having to train the immune system to do the job. Antibodies are proteins the body makes when an infection occurs. They attach to a virus and help it be eliminated. The experimental drugs are concentrated versions of antibodies that worked best against the coronavirus in lab and animal tests. Microsoft is back to selling smartphones for the first time since it abandoned its mobile business more than four years ago. The company began taking orders today for the Surface Duo, a new dual-screen Android device that costs almost $1,400 and begins shipping in September. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Do we wear a mask? Or do we not wear a mask in the show ring this year at the Nebraska State Fair? That seems to be a big question coming from youth and parents alike. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We found out that answer from Brandy Schultz. Brandy is a 4-H educational engagement coordinator through the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. She talks about putting the safety of our children first and foremost. 
Yeah, that's a great, great question. So, um, you know, we are following the directive health measures and that is critical, right? That's, that's what we're going to be following. And so, you know, at this time, our health guidelines for 4-H events will be our 4-H exhibitors and judges who are going to follow those health district department policies in the 4-H space. And so we're going to say for our exhibitors, um, they have, they're recommended, but not required to wear a facial cover. Um, you know, our judges, we're going to ask that they use a mask or a facial cover or stay within um, six feet of an exhibitor. So you may have seen some county fairs where our, our judges will have a mask off. And then when they approach the youth or the exhibitor in a ring, they'll, they'll bring that mask up. So that will be the same kind of format we'll have at the Nebraska State Fair. Our extension employees and our 4-H volunteers uh, will be wearing a mask or facial cover or once again maintaining a six feet of physical distance within youth and that 4-H space. So you're probably saying, Brandy, what does 4-H space mean? I'm happy to address that. So our 4-H space really means the show ring, right? And then our entry and exit lanes or that area that we kind of stage our animals in as those youth get ready to go into the ring. Um, our static exhibit area. So um, one kind of cool feature this year is our static building is actually right next door to our sheep and goat barn. So in between times where youth aren't exhibiting, they could go walk over and check out and check out some of the cool things happening in the, in the expo building, which is now going to be our 4-H static hall. Um, back to then the health area, health areas and 4-H space, our, our livestock office, right? So we're going to ask that those um, volunteers then wear those masks in the office uh, spaces. Uh, our announcer and recorder area, we're going to ask our announcers if they can, if they can't stay within six feet um, of youth, we're going to ask them to also mask up. So, so you'll be seeing a lot of our, our staff and volunteers wearing masks. Um, you know, we are um, quite, um, the priority is the youth and, and safety. And so we'll be wearing masks, but once again, it will be um, optional for our exhibitors, but highly recommended to do that. Um, I kind of talked a little bit about the spacing of the arena. So once again, we're going to have three big rings instead of um, two medium rings and two small rings. The other benefit about that, Susan, is the, the bleacher space, right? So the spectators. So they're going to have a lot more room to, to be spaced out. They're also working on social distancing within the staging area for the youth and the livestock. But it goes beyond that. It also heads into the barns where the animals are housed. So instead of having a, a row potentially uh, with an eight foot or less space between the next row, you may see that it's doubled. Okay. Uh, we're also going to have additional um, tack pens spacing out families within their counties. And so um, just a lot more. I think that the theme of the year in my mind is space. You have a lot more space um, than you normally have in the past. And so these are all just things that just the physical things that we can do. My conversation with Brandy Schultz, by the way, you can keep up to date by going to statefair.org. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon as we take a look what's happening in the market trade on the grain side. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Row Radio Network. John Payne is joining us, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter. This weekend, grain, and it was WASDE report day today. John, any surprises for you in those numbers? Not really. I think we were expecting them to raise demand or uh, raise the supply numbers, which we did. Uh, I think given the storm action we got, 
this weekend. Um, you know, some folks are going to take that number, especially on the corn side, at, with a grain of salt. And it's just not a whole lot of direction to go down here. I understand folks think we can go into the 280s maybe, but um, I, just, I just don't see it directionally getting there until we realize and have this crop in hand, especially given what just happened. So um, that doesn't mean the price is going to rally. I think best-case scenario, in my opinion, is we're just trading sideways at the end of the month. Um, so any any kind of quick rallies we get, if you're looking to move grain, I think you got to take advantage of it. I was just going to ask, you know, and it's easy to forget that the numbers uh, are not factored in yet to the crop damage that we saw earlier this week. So more weight can be put on this next WASDE report because of that? Maybe. I mean, I think the speculators that to drive it down are, are going to be, you know, a little sheep, sheepish here, but i got to be honest, but I just don't see 10 million acres of damage. That's just from where I sit. I'm not doing tours. You know, I'll certainly lean on those tours to help see what's out there. Um, but, you know, let's say for we're talking about, they said 10 million acres, but I think we're probably more realistically talking about damage in the million of acres. And, you know, of that damage, is it, are we losing 50% of the yield? Well, if that's the case, then you're really only losing, you know, 200 million bushels. So... I'm not saying that that doesn't mean a lot in the long run, but in the short run, it just doesn't doesn't change the story. So uh, between that and beans seeing higher prices or higher carryovers and rallying, I think it just kind of, you know, the market's priced in a lot of what I'm talking about. And, you know, now it's about demand, I think, and that's the shoe to drop here, especially as we get closer to the election. I was just say, move past this WASDE report, focus on demand, export numbers, and I'm sure the election's just going to kind of loom over everybody. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, from the currency aspect of it, you know, what? there's just so much uncertainty, you know. I mean, we've got really a little under two and a half months, and I think, you know, we've seen a lot of volatility in outside markets. See a gold market go to up and down $100 in a day. That's uh, that's pretty amazing to see. So I wouldn't rule out anything. Um, and there's ways to be prepared for that. So if you need help, give me a show. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much, John. John Payne's been joining us with Daniel's Ag Marketing. You can learn more about them at danielsagmarketing.com. And, of course, do remember that trading futures involves a risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. You're listening to the World Radio Network. Thank you very much, Susan. Well, that'll wrap up today's midday program. If you miss anything or want to really hear any of the interviews, we podcast our midday segments, and you can find that on krvn.com or on iTunes. Our midday podcast is sponsored by Deveni Motors.